Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your game tickets from the longtime trusted source in Wisconsin, Ticket King. Visit their locations in Milwaukee and Green Bay or just go to their website, theticketking.com. Again, that's theticketking.com. You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm your host, J.J. Leahy. My co-host is my good friend, Gil Martin. In addition to this show, I host Cheese and Packers, and Gil is the host of Locked On NHL, and he writes for the Packers Post and Cheesehead TV. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Packers, uh, man, they laid a stinker. Um, not sure any of us were really expecting them to play that badly. Uh, but, Gil, you and I had a lovely conversation uh, just minutes before kickoff with the one and only Super Bowl champion, Chris Jackie, uh, former Packers legend, came on the show uh for this week's podcast and we had a conversation with him just about the state of the team uh we talked about uh special teams and their improvement of course this is his second time being on this show and we wanted to revisit where the packers have ended up on special teams um after this whole off season because we had chris on to talk about last year's special teams and how you fix it and all that and so uh, we're going to get to that in just a second. But, Gil, um, any takeaways from this Eagles game? I, I I am a little bit in a different spot than I thought I would have been. I, I, I really thought, giving it a couple days to kind of ruminate, that I, I really would just be totally done and throw in the towel on this Packers season. I kind of have pulled back from that. I, I still think that, the, the state of the NFL is so crazy right now. Nothing in the world is stopping the Packers from putting it together. They have the talent to do it. There's just five games left. You win all of them. You probably can squeak into the playoffs. And if you've done that, you're probably playing well enough to be taken seriously in the playoffs. So I really haven't given up yet. But where are you after that t- Tennessee Titans game? <laughs> I agree with you that the the NFC in particular is nowhere near. There's no dominant teams uh, with the possible exception of the team we're playing this Sunday night. But, you know, the the Packers are not so far out of a playoff spot uh, that you could just write them off uh, with six games remaining and say, oh, well, you know, uh, they, they have no chance. But the biggest obstacle in my mind to the Packers going five and one or six and zero oh is the fact that they just have not put together a solid sixty-minute effort all season long, and I haven't seen anything that tells me they're ready to do that. Do they have enough talent to go five and one or six and zero oh in the last six games? Yeah. Is the schedule difficult and challenging? Yeah. But I just haven't seen anything the way they're playing that tells me that this team is on the verge of the light going on this team clicking and playing up to their perceived talent level. 
the conversation we had, we had with Chris, um, I, I hope you guys are really going to enjoy it. Um, I found it illuminating and I had kind of reached a point of clarity in, in the last uh, week or 10 days or so prior to our conversation with Chris, where I felt like I had figured out what the problem with the Packers was. And um, I, I took a little snippet of our conversation with Chris and I played it on my other podcast uh, that went up on Monday, just talking about the leadership issues with this roster. And I talked for 45 minutes about that because I didn't want to burn all of our time today doing that when we need to be previewing the Eagles. Uh, but go check out uh, my episode on cheese and Packers. That's on the Packer podcast network to hear my further thoughts on uh, the, the problems that are plaguing the Packers roster. Gil, what is there over on the Packers post this week that uh, the good folks can go read uh, from your coverage of the Packers? Well, uh, basically uh, revisited the 2021 draft now that we're a season and a half in and uh, especially with Kylan Hill and Amari Rogers being released. I sort of wanted to go back and grade out how that draft class is doing at this point. And then I, I also focused on five players that uh, I feel this team has to play more of during the stretch drive. But again, that's assuming when and if they're no longer in playoff contention. So I still think we're another week or two away from reaching that point. And of course, I'll have my six keys to victory for Sunday night's game going up a little bit later this week and a whole lot more. All right, let's break down the Philadelphia Eagles, and then we're going to wrap up by letting you guys listen to our conversation with Chris Jackie, which uh, really I, I think was was a a qual a really quality, um, powerful conversation that that I think shone the light on a, a bunch of different important issues with this Packers team that are worth covering. But let's start with uh, the important injuries. We're recording this uh, Tuesday. Before Thanksgiving, normally we, we record on Thursday evenings and pu publish our episodes on Friday. Gil, I, don't, I have no idea what day we're even going to post this podcast. We'll have to figure out if it's going to go up uh, nice and early. But we don't have a lot of injury info yet. But let's talk about uh, the injuries that are going to be impacted this game. Obviously, the Packers missing Rashawn Gary. Mm -hmm. and, and I think the big question this week is going to be, the health of Devondre Campbell. Can you get him back? Uh, Romeo Dobbs is almost certainly not playing, but Christian Walker did get banged up, uh, injured his arm against the Titans. Uh, you know, what, are, are we going to see anything of him? And then for the Eagles, they have a couple key guys on IR. Avante Maddox, uh, one of their important cornerbacks, is on IR with leg injury. Dallas Goddard. Uh, one of the best tight ends in football uh, kind of really has stepped up and filled in for Zach Ertz. He's on IR uh, Derek Barnett, their star edge rusher. He's on IR. He was having a bit of a rough season anyways, um, but he is going to be uh, a, a non-factor for them. The Eagles have been obviously one of the most dominant teams in the NFC right up until they ran into a, a buzzsaw matchup with the uh, Washington commanders. Now these um, division games always can get a bit wonky. I did not have, you know, unflappable confidence that the Eagles would beat the commanders because it's a division game. But then 
I think we were all expecting them to bounce back a lot more against the Colts. And instead they barely squeaked by against the four five and one Colts uh, with a one point uh, 17 to 16 win over Indianapolis really was not a convincing win at all. These Eagles probably are at the most vulnerable they have been all year. Uh, what's what's your main takeaway, Gil, uh, with the, the struggles that they have been facing these last two weeks since their last convincing win over the Texans? Well, I, I, I think that the commanders sort of tried to lay out a blueprint of how you can go about attacking the the Philadelphia Eagles. And it, it isn't easy, uh, but m- more than, you know, look, a lot of teams get off to a very hot start and then kind of fade during the stretch drive. And I think the Eagles right now are at a bit of a crossroads in their season where, you know, they're playing their least consistent football of the year. The Packers are probably catching them at a good time. Uh, I think that had the Packers faced them in the first six weeks, let's say, of the season, I don't think they would have had as good a chance of beating them. One of the big problems in that in the game was that uh, Miles Sanders was completely ineffective. He had uh, 13 carries for 3.6 yards per attempt, no touchdowns. And it really placed a lot of stress on the passing game for the Eagles. Now, look, uh, Jalen Hurts has been phenomenal so far this year. Um, he did have, a, you know, a, probably his worst performance of the year, I think, against um, against the uh, Commanders, and then another bad performance against the Colts. Um, he he has been slipping a bit, but if you compare Rodgers and Hurts on the season. Uh, this is outside of Josh Allen. This is, I would say the best quarterback, uh, that we've gone up against all year. Jalen hurts has an 86.3 PFF grade. Aaron Rodgers is at 78.4 passer rating. Uh, when kept clean, Jalen hurts 116.5 Aaron Rodgers 99.7 passer rating under pressure a little bit closer, but Jalen hurts still comes out ahead. 78.4. Rodgers, 70.5. He's been pretty bad under pressure. Mm-hmm. Also, Jalen Hurts, only 1.63 turnover-worthy play percentage. Aaron Rodgers, considerably higher at 2.1. The one area where you would say Rodgers is ahead would be big-time throw percentage, 5.59 for Rodgers compared to 3% for Jalen Hurts. Um, but uh, on the whole, it, it is no question which of these two guys is having the better season. And I think that especially when you factor in how dangerous he can be uh, once he starts scrambling, mm-hmm. this is a, a dangerous matchup for the Packers uh, because of Jalen Hurts. Now, he's got obviously uh, uh, A.J. Brown came over in the offseason uh, on draft day, uh, traded uh, from the Titans, and he has been absolutely incredible so far this year. He's the fifth highest graded receiver in all football. Doesn't help that he's playing, or doesn't hurt that he's playing opposite Devontae Smith, who is uh, very good in his own right. And this offensive line for the Eagles, as good as it usually is. Uh, uh, Jason Kelsey, I, I almost said Travis Kelsey, obviously. <laughs> Jason Kelsey. Still one of the very best centers in football. Uh, and then Lane Johnson still plugging away over there at right tackle. Uh, the dude uh, is is who he's always been. 
Uh, this is his third, uh, excuse me, fourth highest graded season of his career. He's the fifth uh, highest graded pass blocker um, among 76 tackles who have played so far this season. And then Jordan Mailata, uh, he is a uh, 2018 uh, left tackle. Jordan Mailata holding his own over there. Um, the, the, the guards are a little bit of of a liability but only in comparison to how good the center and tackles are i think if we saw these these two uh guards landon dickerson with a 63.9 and isaac uh samalo at right guard with 71.8 if we saw those grades on those tackles or those guards at on any other team we would not be calling them the weakness. They only stick out just because of how much more dominant the rest of the offensive line is this uh, offense for the Eagles is going to be a problem for the struggling uh, Green Bay Packers defense. No question. And I think the mobility of Jalen Hurts, he's second on the team with 440 rushing yards, leads the team with eight rushing touchdowns. Uh, so, you, you know, you, you sit there and you say, okay, we've got to get some pressure on him in order to uh, limit his effectiveness as a passer and yet he can scramble away from pressure pick up key yards beat you with his feet as well as with his arm and then you you go back to miles sanders stopping him he's averaging almost five yards a carry uh this season and the packers run defense even though they stepped up and and slowed down derrick henry a week ago uh they did it they had to sacrifice the pass defense so much that they were just you know, picked apart basically by Ryan Tannehill and a bunch of receivers that most football fans weren't familiar with. Yeah, it's it's, it's going to be um, it's going to feel a little bit hopeless. Uh, I think if the Eagles can get out to any kind of a hot start, um, because if the Packers are trying to play catch up, I, I just think that this Eagles offense can kind of score at will. Now they have struggled the last couple of weeks to put up points. And I think that, you know, the, the, the key there has been slowing down Miles Sanders and forcing them to throw. And then also um, doing just enough to, to capitalize on Jalen Hurts' mistakes. Cause uh, if you were going to pick an area of his game, uh, that still needs to continue developing. His decision making is not always there. He makes some some dangerous passes. Um, always has gone going back to um, to college. Um, but Jalen Hurts is a, a quarterback I've liked for a long time, and the Packers obviously do struggle with uh, scrambling uh, quarterbacks. Let's talk about the defense here. Uh, I, I think that the the key here obviously is for the Packers to attack the Eagles defense where their weaknesses are. Oh, shoot, they don't have any weaknesses. They have an elite <laughs> D-line, uh, great linebackers, and a fantastic secondary. This is, um, I think that this is uh, easily a top three defense in the NFL, probably top one or two, um, and, and they have only been getting better. They have been at, continuing to add pieces to this defensive line. Um, Three pretty, three pretty bri- uh, big name additions. Uh, of course, they traded for Robert Quinn. They signed um, Linval Joseph, and they just agreed to terms with Indomitian Sue. So the rich get richer. This was already a uh, really good defensive line. 
Uh, they were uh, given a lot of playing time to uh, Brandon Graham, Javon Hargrave, uh, Fletcher Cox, of course, is still there. He's having a down year. And Hassan Reddick, they got those four guys up front. And, uh, man, that, that's a good defensive line without mentioning the three new guys that they brought in. Um, uh, Dominican Sue had a half a sack in this in his first game there. Uh, Robert Quinn has not been playing much at all since he got there. Um, Gil, do you know, uh, has, has Robert Quinn been uh, dealing with injuries or, or what's going on there? Are you, do you know? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know uh, if he's playing with injuries, but I, I do know that uh, he did not play in very many games. He, he has not always been active, uh, did play against the commanders, did not play against Indy. Uh, he, he's been sort of hit and miss. Yeah, he's played 49 total snaps in three games. Uh, it's about 16 snaps a game. He only has one sack total for the whole season as a bear or an eagle. Uh, this is a guy who had just this, you know, like once in a lifetime season last year for the Bears. And I told every Bears fan I talked to, I'm saying, I, I don't know why you would expect him to repeat because he's never been that before. Um, and sure enough, just completely fell off a cliff this year. The uh, the one downside, though, is that he is obviously pretty familiar with the Packers offensive line and has had uh, some good performances against us in the past. So, um, you know, at, at a minimum, he's got some knowledge to share with his teammates there. Um, yeah. And I, I I'll, I'll just say, looking at this matchup on paper, it's hard to have a lot of confidence um, in the Packers ability to uh, put up points against this defense or to slow down the Eagles offense. It's the, it's a tall task for any team. Well, he, here's the problem. You, you look at the defense for Philadelphia second in the league at yards allowed per game first in the league at interceptions third in the league with 32 sacks. They are a big play kind of a defense. The only solace I see and Again, with this Packers team, it's one of those things where you don't know if they're going to stick to their guns to take advantage of it. But the rushing defense is a little bit below the middle of the pack. They're giving up more than 122 yards on the ground. And for a team that's nine and one and is playing with a lead a lot, that tells me that their run defense could be something that makes them a little bit vulnerable. But Am I confident that Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers will go back to the way they called the game in Dallas and run the ball 55, 60% of the time in order to keep the chains moving, keep the offense of, of Philadelphia off the field? No, I'm not. They got away from it so quickly against the Titans last week, and it seems like they always go away from it after it works. Yeah, and, and if you look at uh, on the other side of the ball with the with the Eagles, you know, we mentioned that they have been struggling to get the ball moving on the ground with Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, or Kenneth Gainwell, their uh, three running backs. No, they're they're still moving the ball on the ground efficiently with Jalen Hurts. He was actually their leading rusher. Uh, Miles Sanders had 13 carries. Jalen Hurts had 14 for 86 yards and a touchdown, 5.4 yards per attempt. He did have three fumbles. Obviously, totally 
backbreaking and a big part of the why they were only able to put up 17 points. Um, you know, if 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 uh, Jalen Hurts um, does feel that pressure, if, if the Packers pass rush uh, can get home with just uh, Preston Smith and Kingsley and Agbar and then the you know occasional blitzes here from Quay Walker here or there. If they can get home and put some pressure on him, he's got the pedals to to really uh, wheel out there, boogie down the field quickly. He's a fast guy. Uh, the the linebackers um, hanging back and 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 having a guy like uh, Amos or Devondre uh, playing spy on uh, Jalen Hurts is going to be key. And you know what? When you're going in there, <laughs> try and punch that ball out because he had clearly has some ball security issues there that you can't take advantage of. Yeah, no, he's fumbled seven times this year. So you know, but obviously when you're handling the ball as often as he has, you're going to be more likely to fumble. Uh, still has eight touchdowns on the ground and seven fumbles, so he's a little ahead there. But uh, yes, he. The, the, the question becomes, can the Packers get consistent pass rush? Last week against Tennessee, even though Preston Smith had a couple of sacks, they were not consistently putting pressure on the Tennessee quarterback. And, you know, I... I, I think they really do miss, miss Rashawn Gary right now. Kingsley and Igbare just wasn't consistently getting any kind of pass rush uh, in, in that game. And, and you know, neither, neither was Jonathan Garvin. So it really, they were blitzing a lot and not always getting there. And that's not a good combination. I, I feel like before the season began, you and I continually highlighted our biggest concerns with this roster, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball, at least being, lack of of depth at safety and at edge and and both of those have been burning them uh this season no question about it it's time to make our picks uh the uh eagles are favored by seven points the over and under is set at 46 and a half as a reminder last week gil and i both picked the packers to win uh i had 27 to 17 over the titans gil had 20 to 17 we both picked the under we both picked the packers to cover so we both lost uh, this week. Uh, I'm going to go with 17 to 27, the exact same final score as last week against the Titans. Um, I, I actually, I, I initially said 10 to 27, uh, but then I, I was thinking about how they have tried uh, so hard to uh, incorporate Christian Watson into their offense these last couple weeks. And I think that they are going to be able to get at least an extra touchdown out of that uh, as long as he is healthy and ready to go. And I don't see any reason to think right now that he wouldn't be. So I'm going to give them at least seven points, 17 points on offense, but I have absolutely no confidence in this defense right now at all. They have been uh, just a, a complete embarrassment these last two weeks. And uh, now that Rashawn Gary is out and I don't see that turning around um anytime soon again though not for lack of talent although I think that they are thin at edge rusher but not for lack of talent it's it's all just about the execution I think the play calling has been bad I have no confidence in this defense and you know what if, if we hold them to 27 points I think that that maybe is uh, a little bit um, <laughs> a little bit best case scenario with the way they've been playing recently but what's your score prediction Gil? Yeah, I, I'm not as optimistic as you. I went 30 to 17 Philadelphia. 
Uh, again, we're both kind of thinking along the same lines. I just, I think this is Miles Sanders get well game. I think he's going to come out and do very well against the Packers. Always shaky run defense. And uh, I, the Packers traditionally have trouble with mobile quarterbacks. And I don't see that changing with Jalen Hurts. Uh, and the offense is just too inconsistent. I don't have faith that the Packers will call a run-heavy game to try to keep things closer. Uh, so I'm going 30-17 to 17 Philadelphia. All right, Gil. Uh, it's Thanksgiving week. Um, I, my, my family, uh, we celebrate Thanksgiving. It's a big deal. It's my favorite holiday. Always has been. Mine we too. are we're going downstate a little bit. Of course, I live in the beautiful state of Michigan, which you are very familiar with. Um, by the way, I, I, I went, you know, I know you're a big Michigan fan. I'm, of course, I'm, I'm an Ohio State fan, but I attended the Michigan-Illinois game. Um, and I was starting to think that maybe, you know, me being a JJ, that I was a a jinx for your JJ McCarthy, who did not have a good game against no, Illinois. <laughs> but uh, but we're going to go down state a little bit. And um, my family is going, we're, we're renting an Airbnb and my family from Ohio is driving up and, and my family uh, from Northern Michigan is driving down. We're all going to get together, cook ourselves a, a big Turkey and just hang out for a couple of days. We're actually going to do some skiing because we have so much snow here. Nice. Uh, what are you guys doing this week? Uh, heading uh, up to uh, Connecticut. Now I'm, I'm in New York on long Island and I'm going to see my brother. My father will be there. My nieces will be there. So it should be a very nice, uh, Nice Thanksgiving there. Going to watch some football and stuff ourselves with food. I guess that's about as American as it gets. <laughs> <laughs> well, enjoy, my friend. All right, my you advice. folks, uh, we're going to uh, play the conversation from uh, Thursday night right before kickoff against the Titans that we had with Chris Jackie. I had a lot of fun talking to Chris. I know Gilda as well. Uh, we're super grateful to Chris for coming on here again. You guys enjoy this chat, and uh, I hope that you all have a uh, fun Thanksgiving, and hopefully the Packers win. All right, welcome back to No Huddle Radio. Uh, old friend, uh, man, we got Chris Jackie here. He's a, a Super Bowl winning uh, former Packer. Um, he was on uh, in the offseason to discuss the special teams woes from the 2021 <laughs> season. And, I mean, let's be real, uh, not just the 2021 season. It's been many seasons that these uh, issues have been plaguing the team. But, uh when we talked to him last, he said, hey, happy back on during the season so we can evaluate how things are progressing. So, uh, Chris, thanks for joining us. Man, oh, thanks for having Packers me. Season? Uh, <laughs> how's the Packers season? Well, our special teams are definitely doing better. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we had a yeah. low bar to compare it to, but um, uh, astonishingly, like every, like the rest of us and all the fans out there, you know, we're struggling everywhere. Um, yep. You know, not you know, the game we just played against the Cowboys, uh, notwithstanding. Um, but it's been a struggle this season. Um, Aaron looks like he's been off a little bit. Uh, coaching's been off. Defense has been off. I mean, the defense was highly touted, as we all know, during the preseason that they were going to be a top defense, and they struggled. So, at, le at least we're we're struggling as a group. <laughs> it isn't just the special teams this year that we can pick on. Um, but we're hoping we, we, we turned it around maybe against those Cowboys, you know, they came in and quite honestly, I, I didn't see us winning last week against the Cowboys. We, you know, you, everyone sees how we've been playing and right. but there's an old saying when it, when it, when, when an animal's caged or back up in a corner and it's bleeding a little bit, that's the worst enemy you want to, you want to go up against. So 
Uh, it wasn't shocking that we won, given that being said. But you know, we got to—we're talking here on Thursday night. We got a big game tonight against the Titans, and I hope they—they—they they, they keep going forward how they played last week. And when I say that, and maybe we touched on it the last time we talked, run the ball, Matt Lafleur. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. Absolutely. Chris, thinking back over all the many Packers seasons that you have witnessed, are there any that stand out to you as being a good comparison to this kind of wonky start that 2022 is off to? Anything that strikes you as similar? Uh, nothing that I can think of because the expectations were so high going into the season. I mean, it was Super Bowl or bust. I mean, although we didn't have – quote-unquote star receivers at those positions. We drafted a couple of guys. We brought some guys in. Randall Cobb was back. Um, two great running backs. Obviously, we have – anytime you have Aaron Rodgers, you're always talking MVP and Super Bowl. So, going, you know, preseason, going into the season, you know, every the sky was the limit. And so it, it's hard to think of a season that I played in that we had those high expectations such as those – uh, maybe as we got closer to winning a Super Bowl in 96, we did. But, you know, this season it was, you know, looking around the league, you know, things were setting up good for us. Uh, the Rams, you know, they won the Super Bowl, but teams that win a Super Bowl typically don't play well the following year. Um, you know, Brady is, you know, 66 years old. You figure he'd lose a step. So Almost as far as the NFC was concerned, we thought it was kind of falling. The chips were falling our way. And then, you know, every, every I don't have to go over what, what's happened since week one. It's 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 been a shock. I, I've been shocked, as many fans have. How, how does this compare to you? I, I looked back at your career. Nineteen eighty nine, the team goes ten and six. You win four right. games by one point. Nineteen ninety was sort of like everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. You had a holdout by your quarterback in the preseason. Right. Then he got hurt in the middle of the season. A lot of injuries. That was a disappointing season. Is Do you see any comparisons to the 1990 season in this year? Wow, you're really testing my memory there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, our expectations, you know, if, if, if I can count on my memory here, is I don't know if it was so Super Bowl-oriented as we wanted to take the next step to get to the playoffs. Coming off that 10 and 6 season, just missing because I think the Vikings played on a Sunday night and knocked us out that, that in that game. And um, so I don't know if our, I mean, every team's aspirations obviously are the Super Bowl, but to be realistic, our next step in 1990 was to make the playoffs. And and you kind of alluded to it. Don he, Mikowski held out, then comes in. I, I don't know if that was the ankle year or the shoulder year. Wasn't it the and, COVID toe year? Yeah, or the COVID toe. Yeah, right. Um, so yeah, things fell apart, and for the next two seasons, it was it was not. A, I mean, those are two horrible seasons in ninety and ninety one, and you know, but that's what precipitated the change. That you know, and I talk about a lot about it when I'm speaking to groups or something. The transformation that the Packers went through. We had to go through those two losing seasons to get the Ron Wolf and Mike Holmgren and so on, and Brett Favre and Reggie White and. You know, Leroy Butler, who's, you know, being in, basically enshrined this evening at Lambeau Field, well-deserved. So, um, you look back, you know, maybe losing those two seasons was a good thing because we've had, what, 20, God, if i got to do the math, 7, 27, 30-plus years of success because of those two rotten seasons. 
<laughs> how important, I'm trying to be positive here. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. How important is the leadership in the locker room, though, when things start to go wrong for a team or they lose a few games in a row? Uh, extremely. And, uh, you know, I still live in Green Bay. And when I'm out or even on social media, people ask me, what do you think is wrong with this team that's currently playing? Uh, and not to throw, you know, is that throw hot water or, you know, throw, there's no leadership. Uh, I, it's my personal opinion. There's not great like, leadership on the team right now. The teams I played for, you had a Leroy Butler, you had a Reggie White, you know, Brett Favre in his own way. Uh, Gilbert Brown was a leader. Uh, Frank Winters. There was just so many leaders on that on those teams that kept everyone accountable. And you know, I just don't see that person on this team. I, I would assume Aaron tries to be that leader, but yeah, again, I don't want to get off on a tangent. He just has a lot of uh, <laughs> irons in the fire, as it were. You know, all the stuff that went through off season. It probably would have helped the team quite a bit if he would have come to the mini camps and thrown to some of these young guys. Sure. Um, so, you know, that's been my take. You know, the talent's there. I mean, obviously, you got an MVP quarterback. And probably not since Charles Woodson has there been a leader on that team. <clears throat> One thing that um, you talked about last time you were on the show that really stuck with me was uh, kind of toppling the notion that was built up in my head about how much the coaches factor into the leadership. And, you, you know, you kind of, kind of, you know, dismissed that and said, it really is all about the player leadership. To what extent does the coaching, you know, factor into the, into leadership at all? I mean, certainly, uh, you know, for a lot of us as fans, we look at, you know, Andy Reid or Bill Belichick uh, or, you know, Mike Tomlin and, and the sort of gravitas that they have. And, and you think that, well, they run a really tight ship and, you know, you're, it really stuck with me last time you were on here that you were pretty much poo-pooing any impact that like the special teams coordinator could have on special teams and saying, I don't really care about that. Talk to me about the veteran players who are going to be motivating the guys. Absolutely. Um, Leadership from a coach and you you brought up Bill Belichick comes from game planning, you know, knowing your opponents. And I, you know, I touch on it every week and I dread it. Every time we go into halftime, we have the worst halftime adjustment coaching staff, I think, in the league. <laughs> I, it feels that it, way. I mean, it, it, it does. And, you know, that's where the coaching leadership comes from. But as far as the players, I mean, it, your coach is more or less your boss in, 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 these, in, in this respect. Um, and that's where you got to look to a Reggie White or Leroy Butler and those guys have got to hold the players accountable. And you, like you said, we touched on that last time. So, and I don't know how much, I mean, even Mike Holmgren and our coaching staff, you know, they knew they had guys in the locker room to hold everyone accountable, even off the field. I mean, it was, you didn't do anything stupid off the field either. Because, I mean, obviously Green Bay is a city of about 12. You couldn't do anything without all the guys. And you hung out with the guys. So it was... Um, we kept each other accountable. You did that in practice. You did that during the game, at halftime, off the field, you know, et cetera. Do, do you think this team misses the leadership of a guy like Zadarius Smith, who seemed to energize the team when he came in 2019 and seemed, at least to me as an outsider looking in, as someone who did hold his teammates accountable? Is that that Viking guy now? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I just I don't know enough of what goes on in you know in everything we're talking about leadership. It, it, you, you know, I could be completely off base. Everything I'm saying, I just I'm looking from the outside in, and you know, I'm not a player anymore. I'm a fan, so I like to complain like everybody else and come up with conspiracy theories on why they're not playing well. And and that's my conspiracy theory that there's just not leadership, and you know the things that players have done, and we can we pretty much know who they are, you know what they're doing in the off season, you know what they're doing, you know I don't even I, yeah I don't know how much I want to go into that. They don't present themselves very well. It, it has felt like watching this losing streak. It has felt like it has started to become an issue of they're losing because they have been losing. And so, you know, you you face any kind of adversity during the game, you think, oh, crap, here we go. We're about to lose again because we suck. And, uh, you know, Robert Tunyon talked about that in the offseason, that despite their winning record, that they felt like a bunch of losers. And that, you know, there was just this mentality of that they, you know, that they were fakers and they didn't really belong. Do you think that that uh, win against the Cowboys, you know, obviously there's a lot of different factors going into that, you know, this uh, number one desire to uh, beat the Cowboys. We have a rivalry with, you know, the the desire from Aaron Rodgers to, you know, not want to be bested by Mike McCarthy and his return back to Lambeau. Obviously a lot of, a lot of it's just, you know, lightning in a bottle stuff that you can't necessarily replicate, but getting that win, do you think that that was the kind of win that should, uh, you know, inspire confidence for for these guys in themselves to now feel like they can keep winning? Do you think that that should have momentum? Uh, I, I hope they keep winning. My takeaway from that game is we don't need Aaron Rodgers to throw the ball every down. We have arguably two of the best running backs at any given time in the league right now with Aaron Jones and Dylan. And, you know, I, I, off the top of my head, I can't think of how many yards. But for the first time in, in I want to say, since Matt LaFleur came here, he used the running game to set up the passing game, where it's yeah. always been the passing game has set up the running game. And I hope Matt watched the game film and goes, hey, we got two good running backs. We can run the ball, ram it down their throats. Even if we don't get a first down, even if we run it three times and we punt, we can do, we run the ball. It just, it sets up Aaron because then they try and stop the run and that sets up the, the open receivers. Um, to me, it's not rocket science, but again, I'm, I'm on the other side of the TV. I'm not on the field coaching. Um, I would love to see them run the ball 40 times tonight. Uh, against well, you know, the Titans. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a little chilly outside. It's going to be a little snow in the air. Run the ball. <laughs> they, they ran it really well the last time the Titans came to Lambeau. That was a, you know the, the coming out party for AJ Dillon. Really exciting. Um, Dan Orlovsky was highlighting some crazy stats uh, earlier this week, showing that uh, across the NFL, uh, teams are running the ball at the most effective rate um, in NFL history. That they're that, that passing attempts are generating the lowest yards per play since 1933 and running plays are generating the most yards per play ever in NFL history, which is, is pretty crazy. Uh, you know, you see a little bit both in college and the pros, you know, that, that the uh, defenses have evolved so heavily toward trying to uh, prevent these lethal passing attacks that we're seeing. But it, you know, sitting here, it feels a little bit embarrassing that like we have probably the two best, uh, you know, at least the the best running back tandem. Tandem, Absolutely. 
and, and refusing to run the ball more than a handful of times per game, you know, and then the one time, you know, against the Cowboys, you hand the ball off 37 times, you get uh, 194 yards, 5.3 yards per carry. It's beautiful. And, and the Cowboys, you know, every time they would go ahead and commit and, and bite on the run, hit him over the top to Christian Watson. Absolutely. It, it doesn't matter. There's yeah. nothing they can do about it. Just that, that's called old school football. Use the run to set up the pass. And, <laughs> you know, in the last decade, it's been, it, it was reversed. It was pass, pass, pass. And then we'll sneak in, you know, when today's offense is a screen pass as a run. That's how they, that's how these young coaches look at it. But yeah, just I'm old school. I, I love to see, you see them run the ball when you've got such good run. And I, I just don't understand it. And we've got such good running backs. You know, our offensive line does well on the run. You know, just just please run the ball. I mean, we've had success when we do it. Details, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Wanted to ask you a little bit about Mason Crosby. Obviously, his percentage improved this year over last year. Is there anything you notice that's different about the way he's kicking? Does the new holder and the new long snapper factor into that? What are you seeing from Mason this year? Well, what I, what you're seeing is he's not getting many attempts because the offense hasn't been playing very well. Um, you know, it just I know he had the knee scoped uh, or drained or whatever you want to call it during preseason and um you know he just hasn't had many opportunities to get on the field but when he's been out there he's done fine and it's it's been a year or full year of mini camps and preseason with just one snapper one holder I know the last couple of years they've been kind of on a merry-go-round as far as holders and, and that that does take getting used to it from a kicker's point of view I mean it, people they, they they make fun of it a little bit if the laces are off just a little bit that message that messes things up so there's 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 been continuity there I think um, I just I would love to see him on the field a lot more kicking extra points um, I don't even know how many field goals it doesn't I, I can't off the top of my head I mean we just we're not scoring much and they, they have attempted 13 field goals all year yeah so I mean that's and we're halfway through the season I mean that's probably a career low for halfway through the season for him. Um, but he came through last week. I mean, I don't, I don't see anything from a mentality standpoint. He looks confident when he's out there. Um, you know, special teams really haven't cost us. I'm trying to think of any games that it may have caused us a, a fumbled punt return, but that guy's no longer here or kickoff yeah. return. But, um, you know, all in all, the special teams, they're playing better. You know, can they play better than they are right now? Absolutely. But it, all three phases can play better. Question for you. Who is the best holder you ever had? Oh, boy. Craig Hendrick. That, that's, that's an easy one. You know, I, when I came in, you know, not to take anything away, Don Bracken was my holder for three years when I came in the league, and he was very good. Uh, Blair Bush was our snapper, and I think he was probably about 50 years old when I came in the league. Uh, <laughs> he's an old Cincinnati Bengal, and, you know, he, he was – I mean, he, he would tell me where – you know, how far back you had to be exactly seven and three quarters yards and the laces would be perfect. So it's, um, but um, Craig Hendrick, I mean, he helped me help for me for years. Uh, one, one stat where the special teams are notably worse this year than last year is penalties. They had a total of 14 penalties on special teams all year. Last year, we're halfway through the season and we're already at 16 penalties. The crazy thing is that the impact of that has not really been felt in the way that, 
their other uh, screw ups were last year, you know, with all the just it felt last year, like every single time they touched the ball, you were expecting them to give right back to the opposing. Right. team. Yeah, I, re- I remember. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, the league, there, there's so many penalties, not just on special teams. And I was, you know, I was watching the game, the Philly was at the Monday night game. I, they're missing penalties that are so blatant. I don't know if you watched the game on Monday with Philly about had his head ripped off. In no call, but um, they're calling. I, I wish refs would back out of the game a little bit and let, and let the players play. Um, but I understand why they're. I think we probably talked about it before. They're calling more penalties to protect guys, but sometimes it it's, it affects the game way too much more than it should. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Gilbert Brown as a, a bit of a leader back in the Packer teams in the nineties. Yep. Do you remember a good story that sort of illustrates some of the leadership Gilbert had? Uh, just, you know, all the guys. It, it's you know not a specific story. It was in practices. We would every, we made they made sure, and I I, I kind of use the word we, but my practice was quite different from from those guys, mine and Craig Hendricks. We, you know, we didn't we weren't hitting each other, but they want the scout teams. They made sure the scout teams was usually full of younger guys or draft picks or free agents. You know, that were kind of special teams guys. But they made sure those guys knew what they meant to the team to play their best during the week as a scout team because that makes Gilbert Brown better if he's going up uh, against an offensive lineman that's playing hard. Um, so it's it's not a specific story, and that's how it was for all the leaders on the team. It's just everyone makes everyone better. You know, maybe you're not a starter, maybe you're a special teamer. Uh, maybe you're a player that comes in on special situations, but during the week when you're practicing and you're running those scout teams, make us starters better. And that, and that's how it was on that team back then. That's cool. That's very cool. Well, Chris, the, uh, NFL as a whole, uh, especially the NFC, it kind of seems to suck this year. It seems like there's not very many good teams. Right. The Vikings, I think are for real. They might be the most talented team in the NFL. At least they're currently playing right. that way. What do you think? Do you, as things stand today, and we don't know yet the outcome of the right. Tennessee game, do you think the Packers make it into the playoffs or not? Wow, that's a – I mean, you you got to take it one game at a time. You know, we had to break the five-game losing streak with the, against the Cowboys to have a chance. And with the new format, I believe whether they're, they're nine teams or what, seven teams in the playoffs. Seven, yeah. Seven so it's – um, you know – if, I'm not gonna say we're gonna run the table because our schedule's hard, but we've got to win the games that we we have to win. Um, and I think we're probably chasing the the Commanders. I almost said Redskins, but Commanders. <laughs> Sorry for all those. Yeah. Um, do we have a chance? Absolutely, you have a chance. Uh, I don't think we'll, we're not gonna catch the Vikings unless they just take a crap. Um, you know, and like you said, the, the NFC is wide open. It, the goal should just just get in the in the in the playoffs because, as we know, anything can happen in the playoffs. Yep, very very true, Chris. I know you're involved with uh, the alumni organization now. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that and how fans could reach out and, and interact with you and some great Packers alumni? Absolutely, um, I run Player Alumni Resources. Um, I'm sure we've talked about it before. It's a way. It's it's. I'm not the agent of, of alumni, but I kind of facilitate, you know, golf outings, uh, appearances, speaking engagements, 
And it's the majority of the guys that I work with um, that are that I help do this with are the guys I played with. Uh, some of them we, we've mentioned here tonight. Um, I think the last time we talked, we were coming out of COVID and, and the lockdowns and, you know, player alumni resources like other sm- small businesses around the world um, kind of took it on the chin. But we've been bouncing back. We had a great summer this past summer, a lot of golf outings, a lot of speaking engagements. Uh, I have done several appearances going to sports bars around around the, the state of Wisconsin on game day to kind of bring a little extra excitement for, for patrons there and bar owners just to help them help them out a little bit. So uh, it's been a struggle the last few years with everything that's going on in the world, but you know, we're bouncing back. That's great. How, how do people get in touch with you there? Well, then go right to the website at playeralumniresources.com. And on there, you you can fill out a form. My email's on there. I believe my phone number's on there as well. So you don't talk to a, a secretary or, or an assistant. I'm all of those. So you, you hear from me directly if you're interested. And we talk through it to see if it makes sense. Awesome. So uh, everybody, make sure you follow at PlayerAlumni13 on Twitter and at Jackie underscore Chris on Twitter as well. Chris, thank you so much for coming on here. Would love to have you back again uh, in the offseason to talk about your thoughts for the 2023 season. Absolutely. Or maybe we'll do a playoff. Maybe we can do a playoff version when we get in the playoffs. I love it. Oh, man. (laughs) Got to have you back once we get in the playoffs, for sure. All right. Thanks again, guys. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. All right, that's it for today. We'll be right back here next week. You can follow us on Twitter at Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or to ask us questions. You can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. And, of course, we want to thank Packers Hall of Famer Chris Jackie for stopping by. It's always a pleasure to talk to him. Until next time, go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Not bad.